This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Paul Anderson, Chief Academic Officer at Mass General Brigham. Dr. Anderson, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. Nice to be here. Now, I am excited for our conversation because I know there's a ton happening at Mass General and really a lot now underneath your purview in your new role as Chief Academic Officer. So it'll be so fun to hear everything that you have in store for us. But before we dive into those questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Well, I've spent my entire career at Mass General Brigham, originally uh, Partners Healthcare. I trained in internal medicine and rheumatology at Brigham and Women's Hospital, uh, and then spent a large part of my career as a clinical scientist uh, doing research on RNA biology in an NIH-funded laboratory. I still have my NIH grant, still have my laboratory. About 10 years ago, I added the role of chief academic officer at Brigham and Women's Hospital, And in this role, I oversaw and supported research and education across the Brigham. And at the beginning of this calendar year, I was asked to come on as the interim chief academic officer at MGB. Uh, And uh, just recently, last month, after a uh, a search, I was named the uh, permanent chief academic officer at at, at MGB. So in this role, uh, again, I'm supporting uh, the uh, research and education missions across the uh, system of MGB, uh, and supporting our investigators and teachers in any way I can. That's amazing to hear, and certainly an impressive career journey you've had. Now, could you tell us a little bit more about what's in store for Mass General's research and, and teaching divisions going forward? Yeah, this is a, an exciting time, I, I think, for research and education uh, at an academic healthcare system. Obviously, uh, we are undergoing a transformation at MGB. Uh, We started coming together as Partners Healthcare as a federation of academic medical centers and specialty hospitals. But really in the last uh, three to four years, we've really come together as a true merger amongst these institutions in a way which we're gonna work together much more efficiently and effectively and take advantage of our scope and scale to do things that really can't be done at other academic medical centers. Uh, We think by working together more efficiently and effectively, we can uh, increase the effectiveness of our research programs, but also we're able to invest in specialty programs. We have a new investment in a gene and cell therapy institute, which was launched at the beginning of this year. Uh, We've also launched this year a new institute of immunology and inflammation, Uh, and we've also launched a new Uh, Center for Integrated Solutions for Infectious Diseases. So there are a number of specialty initiatives that we've launched in the current uh, calendar year, which we think will uh, support our our research and education missions in a way which are even uh, grander than, than they were in the past. From your perspective, what are some of the most exciting things you're really excited about and what makes you nervous? You know, I I mentioned that we just launched this uh, Gene and Cell Therapy Institute. I remember when I was in training in Jan Vilcek's lab at New York University, where I did my MD-PhD training, uh, 
the laboratory discovered the first monoclonal antibody therapeutic for rheumatoid arthritis, which was uh, infliximab. Uh, and, and this really launched an era of using monoclonal antibodies to treat a number of autoimmune conditions over the next really uh, a 20-year period. We're now in a phase where gene and cell therapies have just come on the radar. So we just saw the approval of a new CRISPR therapy for sickle cell anemia just this week. There are a handful of gene and cell therapy uh, that have been approved over the last couple of years. But I think in the next five, 10, 20 years, gene and cell therapies are gonna be really uh, a, a new way to create new medicines for patients with rare genetic diseases and even polygenetic diseases. So I think our investment in a gene and cell therapy institute is gonna pay tremendous uh, dividends going forward. That's awesome to hear. And, and certainly I can imagine, you know, every day um, having, getting a little bit closer to that goal of, of being able to um, really develop new therapies and, and quickly and efficiently um, be able to yeah. discover things that are going to make a difference to patients on a daily basis. Um, are you seeing any potential roadblocks in the, in the future or do you see a pretty uh, great plan of growth and continued development over the next five, 10 years or so? You know, our, our, our research programs have been growing in leaps and bounds over the last uh, 10, 15 years or so. 5% one year, 10% another year. So, so we've been tremendously successful. But there are some very significant financial headwinds which uh, have, have come about in the last three, four years, certainly around the period of the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, we've had uh, challenges in meeting our clinical margins. And we know that our clinical margins help to support our missions in research, education, and community health care. And so as our margins shrink, these uh, research and teaching missions become more challenged. We have to find other ways to come up with funds to support these missions. You know, MGB being uh, having a scope and scale larger than most other academic systems has an opportunity to do things differently, both on the clinical side to try to achieve margins that will allow our missions to, to continue, but also on the research side to do things differently, to do things more effectively, to work together in ways that we really haven't uh, done before. So we're working on both sides, the clinical side and the research side, to take advantage of the scale and scope of MGB to maintain our missions in research and teaching because these are truly our differentiators. They're why our patients come to see us. They're why our trainees come to learn from us. They're why our investigators wanna work here and why our investigators wanna to continue to work here. So we're determined through this transformation process at MGB that we're currently going through to really the cha to change the way that we're doing things on both the clinical and research side so that we can preserve our critical missions to preserve the way we do things at this uh, really unparalleled uh, academic medical system. Based on the research and development you're doing right now, how will healthcare look differently over the next five to 10 years or so? What will be possible that isn't today? You know, the, the gene and cell therapy initiatives that we're working on today are really gonna transform the way we take care of patients with uh, rare genetic diseases uh, and other kinds of diseases. I really think that just as we now have a new therapy for sickle cell anemia, which we didn't have before, there'll be a number of new therapies for uh, diseases which currently have no 
uh, a known therapy. So that's going to be a very exciting exam uh, advancement. The other area that I think is going to be incredibly exciting is the introduction of generative artificial intelligence into the healthcare system. We hear a lot of talk about uh, ChatGPT, uh, uh, these other large language models. So far, they haven't had a huge impact on day-to-day uh, -day clinical care or even day-to-day uh, -day, uh, research. But I think in the next five, 10 years, they're gonna completely transform everything that we do in this area. I think AI is going to change the way we probe the chemical space to look for new small, small molecules that, tr that treat the, the diseases uh, that our patients have. I think AI is gonna help us to uh, really revolutionize the way that we do clinical trials by combining artificial intelligence with pharmacogenomics we're going to be able to identify phenotypes of patients who really fit with testing of a particular small molecule or monoclonal antibody or cell and gene therapy to allow us to do the trials in a much more efficient and effective uh, way. I think this is going to allow us to move much faster in our advances to develop new medicines uh, for the therapy uh, of our patients. You know, thank, I think artificial intelligence is also going to play a major role in how we care for patients. Uh, I'm a rheumatologist, and, and we have a handful of, of biologics which are effective for rheumatoid arthritis. By combining pharmacogenomics with our artificial intelligence, we can identify which drug is most likely to be effective in a given patient. And this is so important because if we randomly try drugs to treat these diseases, it might take us 12 months before we find the drug that works for a patient. In rheumatoid arthritis, the first 12 months is actually critical because irreversible joint damage can occur in that period. So this combination of pharmacogenomics and artificial intelligence to identify which drugs are gonna be best for a given patient is really gonna completely revolutionize the way we, we care for our patients. So things are gonna to be totally different and it's gonna be incredibly exciting uh, to see these changes occur and to look at the pace at which they occur over the next five, 10, 15 years. That's fascinating. Dr. Anderson, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting uh, conversation. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Laura. It's really been fun talking with you. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.